Hello and welcome to Gilmore Ball Z, a podcast where I show my husband Gilmore Girls, he shows me Dragon Ball Z Kai, and we try to find some sort of common ground. So after a season, we wanted to stop and see how far we've come and if we've accomplished that goal. So we are done with season seven. We are done with the original run of Gilmore Girls. We are done with Dragon Ball Z Kai. Oof. Oof. Also, I'm Grant. Also, I'm Paige. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is this is a bigger deal than most of our finales because for both of these series, we are at the point that for years was for all intents and purposes considered the end. Yeah, but didn't we do that for Dragon Ball Z Kai a few seasons ago? Well, for Z Kai, yes, but for even for Z, like this is what was this is where the Dragon Ball manga ended, right? Yeah. So for a long time, this was considered the end of Toriyama's vision for the characters. GT went on and did its own thing, but that was very explicitly without Toriyama. So this is this is uh the this is was for many, many, many years Toriyama's intended ending to the story. Yeah. So we are we are at the original endpoint. We are at the good endpoint. <laughs> yes. Uh we will keep going, unfortunately, but you know. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit at the end of this episode about what our plans are going into the end, uh, but we are getting close to the end of this podcast. We've got a couple episodes left, but, uh, you know, pretty soon it's going to be time for us to say goodbye, but we can get into all that mushy stuff when we get there. Yep. So for now, we're just going to do our normal thing where we talk about some of our highs and lows for the season and what we thought of it. So, Grant, what was your favorite episode or scene from Gilmore Girls this season? You know, I'm, I'm easy. I'm an easy bitch. And, is that demeaning to women? I don't even uh, know anymore. It's demeaning to me, but I don't care. I, I am an easy bitch. And if you give me, I've learned this about myself this season, that if you give me Richard in a hospital, I will eat it up every goddamn time. When they had the episode pre- previously end with Richard having a heart attack, I was like, okay, they're doing Richard in the hospital. They're just recycling this plot point from the first season. It's stupid and hacky, but okay, fine, whatever, sure. This is so unoriginal. And then the episode happened, and I was like, damn it, you got me again. Like, yes, it was a complete retread of the previous plot. It hit almost the exact same beats. It... It was very functionally the same episode, but I didn't care. It was the only episode this season that really felt like it had the heart that Gilmore Girls had kind of lost over the last few years, right? And, like, you know, a close second would be the finale. As I said last week, I actually really liked the finale. I really liked this ending, I I really, really liked uh, everything that they did with the characters and stuff like that. So that's probably, that's, that's a close second. The winner's got to be Richard in the hospital. I feel like it, especially the scene, I'm a sucker for scenes where Lorelai realizes that Emily's life isn't so, um, isn't so myopic and, and, and old-fashioned and sexist as she thought it was. And I like when they take the things about Emily that seem old-fashioned and are based on problematic patriarchal power structures and in other marriages 
could be a problem, but show how, for the way that Emily and Richard in particular lead their lives, yes, it's old-fashioned, and if they were to be a young couple today, they probably would do things differently, but it's Emily is not oppressed, right, in her relationship with Richard. Yeah. And I really liked that. So I think that's an easy, an easy fave for me is... Uh, the episode where where Richard is in the hospital, I thought that that had a lot of great beats, um, and really was the only episode of this season, at least off the top of my head, and looking back through my notes, that I really remember standing out as feeling like Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. What about you? Did you have a favorite? I, mean, I know episodes are weird in Dragon yeah. Ball, but did, what, what was your... What was your what was your favorite part of this last season of Dragon Ball Z Kai? For to remind you and to remind the listeners, that goes from uh, Gotenks and Boo fighting inside the hyperbolic time chamber up through the end of the show. So that includes Gohan versus Boo, Vegeta versus Boo, the inside Boo stuff, and then of course the final battle with Boo in the Planet of the Kai's. Yeah, and unfortunately, like Dragon Ball does go in my head in a giant Dragon Ball soup as soon as I finish an episode. So, like before we started recording, and he told me that I was about ready to say, you know, some of that Majin Vegeta stuff, I complained, but it wasn't so bad. <laughs> Which yep, was that was last season, beginning of last season. Uh, so I really do think that um, I did enjoy. And I, this is a recency bias, but I did enjoy watching it go through the paces of calling on Earth to give them the spirit bomb. Like, it hit a little too close to home right now. It got to have Vegeta grow as a person, like, especially even though it's not the same scene, but in the same sequence, Vegeta admitting that he is not number one was great. Uh, and acknowledging that even if Mr. Satan isn't quality, uh, he is quality at getting people to do what he wants. So working with all of that together into a different kind of finale was really nice, and I appreciated that. This isn't just Goku is strong. What matters is how you work with people and how that works out. And so Vegeta not liking people for years has had a downside, and so even when he tries to help, it's not necessarily what they need in that moment, but still it's so much growth for him. So that was an interesting moment. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I think that, um, I'm, yeah, surely recency bias plays into it, but um, I, I think that that's reasonable. I would actually kind of agree. I think the, the strongest part of this, this tail end of the Boo saga is Vegeta's growth in those last few episodes. And... Not even necessarily in those last few episodes. Like, from when he is reintroduced all the way through the end, he goes through an interesting arc in his relationship with Goku and how that expands to his relationship to the people of Earth and generally to everybody around him. So, yeah, I think I think I agree. I think Vegeta's, Vegeta's uh, whole turn there was the highlight. Yeah. So, what was your least favorite bit of this season? And there are plenty of options. Oh, there are so many wonderful beautiful options but i think i think the answer has to be the answer has to be the one where Lorelai and christopher get married yeah no this is the one that uh for people who don't follow us on twitter grant when he was on like coming out of anesthesia after getting his wisdom teeth out without much prompting just went on an entire rant about how much he hated this plot line on the drive home from the dentist or the facial surgeon 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. Hold. On, I'm gonna. I gotta get my. I'm getting my notes out, uh, real quick here, so I can remember what the what the B plot, um, for that episode was. But I feel like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I feel like Rory doing something. I feel like the Rory plot in that episode was also really fucking stupid, though. I need to. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the B plot of that episode was uh, Marty pretending not to know Rory. Oh yeah, that was also a bad plot line. That was also a really bad plotline. So yeah, I think I think uh, season seven, episode seven, uh, was the far and away the weakest episode of the season. At least the one that left the strongest negative impression in my mind. Uh, uh, Lorelai and Christopher getting uh, like eloping in Paris for no reason. It was it was it was patently silly. The whole setup of the episode was silly because it was like, oh no. Where are they going to get food at 5 a.m. in a, one of the, you know, most, like, one of the major metropolitan cities in the world? Like, I'm sorry, are there no... Whatever. That whole thing, the whole premise was silly. Like, them just kind of going to drop Gigi off with Sherry and not spend that much time with her. And then she and... disappears forever. <gasps> Yeah, and then she disappears forever. We never see Gigi again. Disappears forever. Like, it was all so... The whole thing just felt so patently contrived to create a situation where Lorelai would make this stupid and impulsive of a decision. Yeah. And then... Just, it's not believable. Nothing nothing between... The entire Lorelai and Christopher marriage, dating, season seven plot was silly. It didn't make any sense from, from Go. And because it was based on... Lorelai breaking up with Luke at the end of last season that also didn't make any sense from Go. So it was just kind of the culmination of a bunch of really bad writing into a kind of limp reveal that was counter to Lorelai's character. The idea that Lorelai would ever get married without Rory there. Yeah. Like, without Suki, okay. Without, you know, her parents, okay. Without Luke, okay. Especially at that point, okay. But... Lorelai getting married to Christopher without Rory being there is just ridiculous. And there's just a bunch of other dumb shit in that episode, like, let's have hot, thrilling sex on an empty stomach while we're both jet-lagged. Like, that's not how sex works. And Or, or, or we're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, either that or Christopher and Lorelai have figured out some other new kind of sex that that we mere mortals can only dream of where you can have sex that mind-blowingly good when you're jet-lagged on an empty stomach. Uh, yeah, and then that was also paired up with the Marty plot that so much of Rory's story this season, I'm getting on a tangent, but so much of Rory's story this season really just felt like meandering. Yep. It was really unclear what they wanted to do with Rory this season. With Lorelai, it was clear. It was stupid, but it was clear. There was a very clear arc of jump into getting together with Christopher because she's afraid of the future, marry Chris, rushing to marrying Christopher because she wants to, like, just fix her life easily and wants to throw a Band-Aid over it, realize that there's a reason she never married Christopher all these years, break up with him, you know, and she and Luke get closer together, they get together in the finale. It's dumb, but it's a clear arc. Yep. Rory, I, there, there are so many things that happened to Rory in this. I forgot the Marty stuff was this season. Because it was just, it feels so far removed from anything Rory did by the end of the series. Um, so yeah, that's an easy one for me. Um, 
What about you? Are you sure it's... I mean, like, I, I, I respect it being that easy, but I do also want to introduce the dark horse candidate of Lane had sex once. She's convinced that sex is the worst thing ever and has decided not to have it ever again. Also, she's pregnant with twins. I know um, we know that Lane gets screwed over, but even for Lane, that was intense. Even for Lane, that was really bad. That's definitely a second. That's that's definitely a runner-up. Close second there is uh is that episode with Lane. I don't know. I'm just, like you said, I'm just kind of used to bad things happening to Lane. I'm used to Lane's plot being shafted. I'm not used to Lorelai, ostensibly the main character of the show, getting so flagrantly uh, assassinated on camera. That's fair. Right? It felt especially egregious because it was Lorelai gets married, which is the thing that they've been playing with and teasing and, like, getting married has been one of Lorelai's big life goals for the entire series. Like, season one had her and Max's engagement, right? Like... Lorelai and when when and to whom she will be wed is one of the major arcs of the show. Yeah, and, I don't know, but I just I I just can't help but feel like giving Lane food poisoning most of the week of her like honeymoon to a terrible man up until that point where she has horrible sex and gets impregnated with twins is just so many levels of absurdly like and then is convinced on Lane is convinced that sex being good is a worldwide conspiracy perpetrated by other women? Yeah. It was so many levels of ridiculous that it's just like, like all oh, the you're stuff going out you of said, your way now. Yeah, all the stuff you said is worse. But the thing that really gets me, the cherry on top, is that she's convinced this conspiracy that women can enjoy sex is perpetrated by other women, right? Yeah, for like, no discernible reason. If this were a worldwide conspiracy, like, if anybody... If if we take okay, if we took the supposition that women can't enjoy sex, which is wrong, but let's assume that's true, right? Women Thank can never you for enjoy informing sex. Me of that. <laughs> right. I'm 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 just I'm 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 just stating, men would be the ones to have something to gain from that. Oh, I know. We would be the ones perpetrating that myth. Oh, I know. I just I know you know. I know you know, and frankly, I know the audience knows. I just. I'm saying it out loud because somebody needs to. Just somebody needs to say it out loud to really address how fucking ridiculous that plot point was. So you're right. That's a close second. But I'm going to still stick with Christopher and Lorelai getting married. Okay. I respect that. So what about you? Uh, What do you think was the weakest part of this season of Dragon Ball Z Kai? Ugh. Was Gotenks this season... Gotenks was, in yeah, fact, no, this season. Yeah, no, then it's the stupid, idiotic Gotenks and Boo fight. Like, even after all this time, the amount of time it took up, the amount of bravado that it had, the amount of, like, not needing to be there that it made me sit through, absolutely, the Gotenks, oh, wait, I have another move in reserve fight. Please. Like, he wasn't, he didn't even have anyone to showboat for. And meanwhile, like, even after his mom, like, this was later and this was not in that scene or episode, but even after his mom was dead, it didn't matter. Like, the, the, the just the, the Gotenks boo fight, just please, could, we could have cut it. We could have cut it entirely. Yeah, that's the real thing, is that Gotenks is kind of inconsequential to the plot. 
Yeah. We get the cherry on top later of go tanks, like both people who make up go tanks not really caring about fighting. And it's like, I could have seen this coming. I didn't care about you fighting either. <laughs> like, uh, I was that bored. How would it feel for you? <laughs> so, who was your favorite character this season? Unless you have thoughts on Gotenks. Uh, can I say nobody? No, that's not allowed. Can I say nobody? Because nobody was good this season. You can't like, even say Suki now, because they, they ruined her, too. Right? Like... I think the answer might be, the answer might be Emily? Just say Kirk, it's easier. I think the answer might be Emily by default. Because She did have a few good scenes. She had a couple really strong scenes, especially, um, like, like I said, the bit when Richard was in the hospital, the, like, I might lose him, and the vulnerability, and I've, you know, let my life revolve around him for years so what am i without him like emily showed real vulnerability this season because there was strengths. that yeah there was that there was um when laurel i was teaching her how to use the computer and she was like oh you know you you are so good at these things and i'm no good at these things and it's because you chose to be independent and i could never do what you did right mm-hmm. and then in the finale I really liked the interaction between Lorelai and Emily of, uh, you know, Emily fishing for a new obligation to continue Friday night dinners and then realizing that, no, her daughter just wants to spend time with her now. Yeah. And that she doesn't know how to handle that, right? And so, like, those all were really good, but I also feel like there were just as many confusing Emily moments. Yeah. Like, the entire Mia episode... Yeah. I don't know. Even in the episode, even in, like, the TurboTax episode there, like, she just... The show's chronic problem, and I think that it's not a problem unique to this season, but it was definitely shown off in this season, is that the writers have always been afraid to let Emily change. Yeah. Because if Emily isn't the domineering, spoiled rich woman, then the show loses a central part of its tension. Yep. But, like, that's not a reason to kneecap your character development for one of your main characters. Yep. And also, like, you can do interesting things with Emily now. Like, in a world where Emily respects Lorelai and Lorelai respects Emily, what happens? We don't really get to explore that, and it's a really interesting plotline. Yeah, we never get to go there. Like, in seven seasons, we never really get to go there, and that's really frustrating. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like, I feel like it's the same problem that you get with romantic relationships in shows where they worry that as soon as the relationship resolves, there's no more tension. And there have been a few really good examples of relationships. Like, I feel weird mentioning this the week we're recording when uh, all of the Joss Whedon stuff went down. But uh, the show Firefly actually has a really good example of a married couple who love each other, who are happy and still have tension mm-hmm. and still have conflict. And it is one of the best executed examples of that in television. Uh, even though it was only a few episodes, Wash and Zoe's relationship is really interesting. And I think that same fear exists, even though it's a mother-daughter relationship, where once we have a good relationship with 
Lorelai and Emily, we can't just go back to the same sniping plot lines. We have to think of what the next evolution is, and they're afraid to do it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Lorelai and Emily are a will-they-won't-they plot line. It's just, will-they-won't-they have a normal mother-daughter relationship, not will-they-won't-they get together. And not even, like, normal, but respectful. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, yeah, that... So... I I I I think the answer is Emily just because she had good stuff to work with like I can't say Richard because we had that whole I mean he wasn't around a lot this season and then we had that whole weird he becomes insufferable plot line yeah. that then just magically vanished right Yeah Lorelai got way too bogged down in the Christopher shit for a good chunk of the season there that made her really unlikable and just really boring as a character. Yep. As I mentioned before, Rory was Rory was kind of lost in the desert most of this season. I really wasn't sure what was going on with her. Yep. Lane you know, has been neutered. No, she was neutered. friends with Lucy and Olivia this season. Sure, they mattered. Uh, Lane was neutered this season. Luke was, like, Luke's characterization was all over the fucking place. Actually, when he was good, he was really good. Dark Horse favorite character this season, how about Zack? <laughs> Zach gets the most improved award. <laughs> That's what Zach gets. Zach gets the most improved award. I am impressed. They took one of the worst characters on the show and made him into an inoffensive, lovable himbo. Yep. So I'm. That is definitely the most impressive thing the showrunners did. But Zach is still mostly set dressing. Um, the answer might be Paris. I think. The answer might be Paris just because Paris didn't do the Paris thing this season. Yeah. And for that, she must be commended. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wasn't around a whole hell of a lot this season, but her appearances were consistently on point and consistently amusing. So actually, actually, yeah, I'm going to say Paris. Paris was my favorite. It took me many minutes here to talk it out, but I think... I think, uh, yeah, Paris. Paris is the answer, winner by default. Uh, and what let's about you? Just get there. Like, should we just ask you who your least favorite is? Because now you've gone through so many. Oh, I mean, it's Logan. I mean, it's Logan, but Logan's the easy answer. And Logan, I actually feel like they stabilized Logan a good bit this season, where he's still shitty. Like, yeah, he's still sh- he still didn't he- tell his girlfriend he ran the company into his into the ground, became a like short term alcoholic, and then screwed off to Las Vegas. Yeah, no, Logan was still shitty, but I think this season did succeed in grounding him as a character enough in his circumstances that it was like, okay, you're a piece of shit, but you're a piece of shit in a believable way. Whereas in previous seasons, he's just been like, and I'm here to fucking suck. And the writers keep me around for some reason, even though I'm unlikable and terrible in every way. Why yeah. am I on this show? Nobody knows. I don't do shit except make the show worse. I'm Logan. Like, yeah. this se- this season, he did have things happening with him that were like, okay, I care about this plot line. I want it to end with Logan in pain, but I care about this plot line. And I understand how Logan turned into the person that he is, even though he is now, as an adult, not doing the things he needs to do to dig himself out of that hole, so he deserves everything that's coming to him. Like, he's an 
he is a believable, semi-interesting, at least not actively uninteresting, bad person now. Whereas before, he was just a shit goblin who showed up to make the show worse, and and I wanted him off my screen. <laughs> um, so I'm going to I'm going to Logan gets a stay of execution this season. I think. I think the answer is Lorelai. Okay. I think Lorelai. Oh, or is it Rory? It's one of the Gilmore girls. It's one it's of the not Gilmore Christopher? girls. Christopher. Christopher. Again, Christopher sucks, but Christopher mostly sucks in that Lorelai goes along with his shit. Mm-hmm. Christopher sucking isn't new, and the ways in which Christopher sucks are in line with his characterization up to this point. So the problem is that Lorelai is blindly ignoring all these reasons why Christopher sucks, even though none of it is new information. Yeah. But also Rory, like, made a bunch of really, really fucking bad decisions this season. And like shot herself in the foot and then cried when it hurt. Yeah. So I don't know, that's a really hard one. I yeah. think I think I'm I think I'm going to go with Rory. I'm going to say Rory. Rory Rory made a long string of terrible decisions and really only got saved from them at the very end because the writers gave her a parachute of this job that she landed. And, like, I liked the ending, but it's almost frustrating that Ror- everything just works out for Rory, even though she made a long string of terrible decisions. And, like, she made a good decision at the end by not marrying Logan, but up to that point, she's just been making bad decisions, basically, since she slept with Dean. Yeah. And now here we are. So, yeah, it feels weird to say, but my least favorite character this season was Rory. Okay. Uh, yeah. Who was your favorite character in this last season of Dragon Ball Z Kai? I think I know the answer, but yeah, I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we didn't get my boy Piccolo. <laughs> we didn't have too much Gohan, uh, except being done dirty. But Vegeta did get to have a moment where he really processed what happened to him. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see him, like, move that into action. That's because he's in a Dragon Ball series. Uh, but we did get to have him process what it means and go beyond just like, I'm not as good as Kakarot and that's okay, but why he can't be as good as Kakarot, what it means that he's not as good as Kakarot, and what he does to fill a different role after he realizes he's not as good as Kakarot. Mm -hmm. So that was all really interesting. It was more nuanced than I was expecting, even though it wasn't the most nuanced thing in the world, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I think I think Vegeta's the easy answer this season. Um Yeah. Nobody nobody stands up to Vegeta's character character development this year. No. And for at least favorite character, I want to say Goku, just because of some of the screwed up things. Like the last three episodes of this season make Goku a really great candidate. Mm-hmm. Between Using the Dragon Balls to mind wipe everyone to forget that Boo is evil. So they remember that Mr. Satan saved the world, but don't even remember where he saved it from. To intervening in a normal natural process to and missing his family party. To spending 10 years not interacting with his family so he could fight someone who hadn't been born yet. 
Uh, as like I, I know I spent plenty of time on that last episode. Goku is pretty horrible at the tag end of this season. After, like as soon as he releases the the moment where Rory breaks down is when she has sex with Dean. The moment where Goku just releases all last vestigial bits of being a good person is when he lets loose that spirit bomb. So I would want to say Goku, but I would still rather get Gotenks off my screen. So if I could jettison one character, it would be Gotenks. I don't care if that means getting rid of Goten and tr- baby trunks. I just want Gotenks off my screen yesterday. Yeah, he's bad. I forgot how bad he was until we watched this. I was like, oh, he's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he He's just not not good. And I I don't want to. I don't want to anymore. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's... What did you think of this season? It wasn't as bad as last season. Yeah. Last season, like, recording was something I dreaded. Like, last season, I really was like, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I can finish this podcast Mm -hmm. with how bad this show has gotten. And this season... This season, other than the handful of standout episodes that I've already talked into the ground, in general, was inoffensive. Like, I mean, I there were re- some really low lows, but other than that, it just kind of kept moving forward. Yeah, and maybe part of it is just that I've gotten numb to it after the last two seasons prior were not good. So maybe I'm just numb to Gilmore Girls being bad now, but I'm, I'm, I feel like... A lot more of the dumb things they did this season, I was able to just go, okay, sure. As opposed to last season made me very angry many times. This, it was, it was, it was, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Inoffensively mediocre. Most of the time. Except, you know, a few moments. Yeah, there, except there were few... Marty, except Suki, except Lane, except Lorelai, except Rory. There were a few, look, every character's arc went straight to hell, but the individual episodes were amusing enough, right? The individual episodes had things going on, had good banter, a couple of them actually had pretty solid emotional arcs, like, I really liked the whole thing of Lorelai and Luke going car shopping, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there were some good things in here. There were some real bad things in there, and usually that would mean it becomes a really emotionally charged season with a lot of high highs and a lot of low lows, but here, for me at least, it weirdly just kind of coalesced into a blob of Gilmore Girls. Like, you know, sometimes sometimes when you say, what did you think of this week's episode, I just say, it was an episode of Gilmore Girls. Here, I just kind of want to say, it was a season of Gilmore Girls. It It happened. There were some things that made me mad. There were some things I liked. Most of it was just characters talking on a screen for 22 episodes. Yeah. I, I do want to say, I, I know we talked it to death last week, so I don't want to go too much on it, but I do want to reiterate how impressed I am they stuck the landing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The last three seasons have been a dumpster fire, but they managed to pull a pretty good ending out of it. And that, I think, deserves to be commended, and I do think is very impressive. I think that in a world where this became a show we rewatched every once in a while, which it will never be, I, I, 
I don't know if I'm ever going to want to watch Gilmore Girls again after this show is over, but... And if, if, like, years from now you do, it will not be this season? I think, I think it'll be like The Office, where when we rewatch The Office, and when I imagine a lot of people rewatch The Office, and friends, when you rewatch The Office, this is what you should do. You watch everything up until Michael Scott leaves, mm-hmm. and then you just skip straight to the last episode. Yeah. And I think that... If Gilmore Girls were eventually to work its way into my viewing rotation many years from now, I would watch everything up until she sleeps with Dean, mm-hmm. and then I would watch the last episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the proper way to view Gilmore Girls. That is my machete order for Gilmore Girls. Just skip seasons th- five through seven. Fair. Um, yeah. That's my thoughts. What did you think of this last season of Dragon Ball Z Kai? Um, it, I have to say it did, like, I've gotten a little numb to Dragon Ball, but when we had the Mowers on and we were like, this was a really eventful episode of Dragon Ball, and they were like, it was? It was like, right, (laughs) this is 22 minutes of my life every week and has been for three years. (laughs) Yup. And I think that's where I am. Like, there are some moments that are really good. Uh, But I think I'm still at the place I have been for years, which is this, (laughs) it's a really pretty show. It has some interesting ideas. It has some interesting characters. Toriyama should be given, like, you know when you give your kid sibling, like, I didn't do this with my sibling, but I've seen it done many times. You know when you give the kid sibling the un, like, unattached controller to video games and you tell Mm -hmm. them they're playing with you. Mm -hmm. You want that for Toriyama? I want Toriyama to be able to put like, uh, like mangas. I don't know if they still do because it's been a while since I've read a physical manga, but like in the, like when they collected chapters from Shonen Jump and Shoujo Beat, they would put like gag strips on the side, bonus content in the back, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I want someone else writing Dragon Ball. And then they tell Toriyama that the entire comic is just like, the content in the sides in the back and he gets to draw those you know i feel like that would actually be perfect well because the thing is like there are things and i like i give him enough guff but there are things he does really well some of his character designs are really interesting some of his ideas are interesting his basises for characters are really interesting he just doesn't know what to do with them from there like just the number of characters who he set up well who are underused here like, Videl, Gohan, even to some degree, even though I loved him this season, Vegeta uh, didn't get to do much more than talk and get beat up, which is character growth from him, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Dende, the Kais, anybody who isn't dead at this point. And I want more for all of them. Uh, I think that there were some things he did do very well, like the fact that these last two seasons that he gave Vegeta an arc, that he gave Mr. Satan something to do that was compelling and interesting, I didn't ever expect to see that happen, and I want to give him credit where that's due. But this season is is the same as the series. There are so many missed opportunities that I wish could be better. And it was just kind of a punch in the gut to end with this oob saga where... So many characters have lost out on their potential. Like, I mean, I get why it's cool that Goten and Trunks 
have just kind of turned into terrible teenagers. That's fine. Uh, but just like Videl being a mom with a daughter and that's all she seems to do following the line of 18 and Chi-Chi and to some degree Bulma. The fact that most of the Z fighters don't even enter this tournament, that Goku has become a terrible person just to fight Oob, who he didn't even know existed. Like, Yeah, Goku at the end there was, oh man, that hurt. Gilmore Girls did a really good job of hitting the landing. Dragon Ball didn't do a bad job of hitting the landing, but then it kept going down the runway and then ran into a brick wall. Right? Like, that that flash forward, that time skip at the end wasn't necessary. And, and it hurt. It hurt. I didn't realize how, like, legit, I, I, I did not realize how much I cared about Goku and how much Goku as a character really meant to me until I saw him done so dirty in that ending. <laughs> that's and I fair. Was like, and I was like, wait a minute, that's not Goku. And just suddenly I felt something was missing that I didn't realize I'd had the entire time. I'm like, no, that's not that's not Goku. That's not mm-hmm. Goku. <laughs> Especially because we got, in the previous episode, we got Goku like uh, watching the eggs. Right? Yeah. And so, like, that is a very different picture of Goku as someone who cares about all life and cares about everyone and doesn't always, like, you know, he's he's never been the best at showing it. He's never been the best at, at, at demonstrating and providing what people need, but he cares. Yeah. And then here we just get, like, Goku who without blinking is like well gonna go leave my family for five years bye Mm -hmm. everybody yep leaving right now and it it's frustrating that at the very last minute Toriyama showed that he did not understand his central character at all yeah and yeah that that one hurt I didn't expect that one to hurt but it did yeah so are you a fan of Gilmore Girls after these seven seasons? <sighs> you know, we are at, we're at, you know, an inflection point. This is basically what the show was for many years. And so for all intents and purposes, in a way I have now seen the, you know, Gilmore Girls as a body of work. And and you saw more of Gilmore Girls than I saw for most of my growing up when I considered myself a fan of Gilmore Girls because I had seasons one through three on DVD. Yeah, and I still think that's a complicated question, <laughs> but I think that I still I still lean I still lean toward yes. Okay. I think that and I suspect this will be similar to your answer to Dragon Ball. I think that the characters are compelling. Mm-hmm. I think that the the moment to moment of the writing is usually fun i think that the themes that it grapples with are interesting and at the end of the day it did have more good seasons than bad ones yeah and even the bad seasons for how oh bad they were did have bright spots and did do interesting things with the characters. And 
I can forgive a lot for if you give me. I can forgive a lot if you stick the landing. Mm-hmm. And I think it really did. And it's frustrating. I'm very frustrated that the revival even exists now, having seen that ending, because it really is an ending that's perfect and only aged better and better as time went on. Yeah. But I think if somebody just asked me point blank, do you like Gilmore Girls? I would probably say, yeah, it's it's a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think for me, it's when it comes to Dragon Ball, uh, to go into if I'm a fan, I'm a fan of Dragon Ball in theory and not in practice. Which means you're a fan of Dragon Ball. <laughs> I will give it its props where it deserves them. Like, there were moments in this show that surprised me and I liked more than I expected to. A lot of Vegeta's turns were not as effective as they could have been, but more effective than I expected, and I enjoyed them. I enjoy... Like, I actually had fun with Pan, even as, like, she was small at the end, but I had fun with Pan. I had fun with Mr. Satan's arc, which I was not expecting. Like, there were lots of little things peppered throughout the series that did give me more joy than I expected. But it's such a vast landscape of punch loops, Grant. Yeah, yeah. And key blasts and just things that all feel the same and drag on forever. And it's really rough. And unrealized potential for characters. And just, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Straight up misogyny because Toriyama doesn't know how to deal with female characters that all make it harder to love this thing. I I can see how it gathered most of its acclaim as a manga. Oh, yeah. Well, and I can even see, like, when we had fewer anime, how we loved it so much. Like, how, you know, American society really used it as a gateway drug for better anime. Yeah. Well, and just, like, if you, you know, stripping it down to the manga, right, then it's just some really cool art of fighting that Mm -hmm. you can go through more quickly Mm -hmm. with some, you know, basically soap opera stuff happening in between, like... I think that shonen, like battle shonen, as a genre, took a while to really figure out how to work in the adaptation process. Well, and like, and, and again, I'm not saying Dragon Ball was the first shonen anime because it wasn't. You can go back to Fist of the North Star, Saint Seiya, or you know, all that kind of stuff, but. But it was the first one that made it big in the U.S. It was the first one that made it big in the U.S. And it and it was huge in Japan to the point where it did kind of become the blueprint for mm. everything that came after it. It was genre-defining. And it has this problem that in the adaptation process, it becomes very slow. It becomes very plotting. It becomes, you know, all it's these things that you time. just... Yeah, all those things you said. It, it 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 ran into a lot of problems, and I think that over time, the genre has learned more how to go back and re-engineer and edit out some of those problems. So, like, Dragon Ball Z is very slow, but then we go one kind of generation up, and we get Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, which were also, don't get me wrong, not fast-paced series but had it figured out a little bit more, right? Like... Uh, But there is a lot more character depth. Yes, uh, there's a lot more character depth than Naruto, but... 
Uh, and the thing is that changes it for both of us, and I think it's important to state, is like, we are watching this in 2021. And this is, you know, what TV tropes would call the Seinfeld effect. Like, yes, I'm watching Dragon Ball, but I'm watching Dragon Ball not only as an adult, but after watching My Hero Academia, which couldn't exist in the form it is without shows like Dragon Ball. It obviously takes a ton of inspiration from that. But because I'm watching Dragon Ball after I've already watched My Hero Academia, it's like, I know how much more you could be doing. And so there is a big question that we can't answer of what would I think of Dragon Ball if I was watching it when it was first revolutionary? And once again, yes, there were other shonen shows before, but it was still a really big breakthrough watershed moment. And the same is kind of true of Gilmore Girls, where... Yes, there were other shows doing the same thing at the time, like this is my time to plug Buffy the Gilmore Slayer for comparing Buffy and Gilmore Girls, which were both fast-talking shows on the WB in the late 90s, early 2000s. But it was still a like a show that was focused around two women who loved each other for, you know, like re- like in a non-romantic relationship and their lives together, it like was a really fast-paced, bantery show for the time period. The scripts were twice as long as any other show in the business of the time. And it allowed us to have, like, I would say it allowed us to have shows like, you know, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Jane the Virgin, which it shares showrunners with. But even just things like, I would say a lot of modern sitcoms were probably showrunners who watched Gilmore Girls and it, like ingested the banter and it did have a really big impact on a generation of girls but also a generation of writers. Uh, and so the things that we see as problems in that show, we can point to something modern. Like You could easily point to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and saying it has a lot of the great patter that Gilmore Girls has, but it actually addresses the fact that its characters are imperfect and it actually allows its characters to be alone and it deals with relationships in a much more nuanced way but i don't know if it would have existed in the same way especially on the cw if gilmore girls hadn't existed which makes are you a fan an even more complicated question yeah i never i mean yeah i never thought about it with gilmore girls in that quite that way but you're right i'd I'd be curious if rachel bloom actually was inspired by gilmore girls but even if she wasn't inspired by gilmore girls like the cw giving it a shot probably had something to do like even if not directly indirectly the shows they greenlight yeah totally um man what to go back to dragon ball i just i really 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 wish and it'll never happen and I know it'll never happen, <laughs> and I cry every day that it'll never happen. But we, I, we just, we. I'm sorry. We need a reboot. We do. Mm-hmm. We need a reboot. I like Super. I like a lot of the stuff Super did. I would have rather had a reboot than Super. Like, yeah. keep Toriyama on as like a consulting writer, but give bring bring some fresh blood that grew up loving dragon ball in and let them workshop it all together and 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 make make dragon ball in the style right of some of these more modern shonen anime like my hero academia i i haven't gotten around to watching it yet but like uh kimetsu no yaiba like uh attack on titan 
which I also haven't watched, but I've also heard good things. Heck, right? like, even like Brotherhood. I know that's not modern anymore, but like the difference between Full Metal Alchemist, which was made while the manga was still being written, and Brotherhood, which was allowed to more fully adhere to the manga and was coming at a later period in history, where anime was more able to do interesting things. Like, that's another one that we should be looking to even now. Yes, yes, actually, I can't believe I didn't say that at the beginning of this. Give me Dragon Ball Z Brotherhood, right? Like, it it doesn't even have to be wildly different. I mean, that'd be cool, but even just, like, one that is designed to better deliver the experience of the manga, mm-hmm. right? That would still run into a lot of the same problems, so I'd really like just a complete reboot. But whatever, like... Ah, this is the pain of being a Dragon Ball fan. I, I, I wish there's so many cool ideas in there that I wish could come out. Sorry, I'm talking in circles. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next question. So what are you looking forward to in a year in the life? I, I hate to ask this because uh, nothing is a reasonable answer. Uh, you know, I am prepared now. I am prepared... I was not prepared. I am prepared. I got a good ending. I got an ending that satisfies me. Now I'm just going to close my eyes mm-hmm. and f- trust fall off of the high dive directly into that jello. And then I will be the poop in the jello. And oh. the circle of life will be complete. Oh. No. I'm. I am. I am looking forward to the shitstorm. I am looking forward to the dumpster fire. I'm looking forward to the mess. You love mess. I have I have a bar of where my expectations are at, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say I have a bar and it's filled with alcohol. I also and this have is how that. I will get through this season. I which also is a little have troublesome, that. dear, but I'm supporting it. I also have that. But I keep lowering the bar, right? And then no matter how low I put the bar, some somehow I know it'll find a way to limbo under it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to I'm, I'm gonna try this. And I know this is easier said than done. I'm going to try to just not have a bar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to just walk into this and just view it as a delightful carnival of horrors. Uh, I am waiting for some of the things that are going to break you. <laughs> I know eventually something's going to break me. I know this strategy is not tenable, but I'm going to try it to maintain my mental health for as long as humanly possible. Okay, Godspeed, man. Godspeed. Now, we're going into, for Dragon Ball, we're going into some of the post-GT or like the super-era Dragon Ball movies right the 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 dragon Mm -hmm. ball dragon ball kind of had its own revival that started when we were in college yeah and i think and it's generally general consensus is that it's actually pretty good we're going into at least a pretty good set of dragon ball content so with that in mind and also full disclosure uh we did see the Broly movie that's going to be our last episode when it came out in theaters, so you you're kind of yeah. already know what to expect, but what are you looking forward to going into Toriyama writing these characters in, like, 
between 2013 and 2018. I think there are a couple things I'm looking forward to. I am looking forward to watching the Broly movie again. Uh, when we watched it, it was first came out, and we were pretty deep in Dragon Ball, but we weren't as far as we have. I hadn't, I hadn't spent as much time with the characters, and so I'll be curious coming back to that. Uh, I'm also just curious to get some new blood. I think, uh, I want to say it was Resurrection F. I kind of half-watched when you had, like, Connor, who guest hosted previously, come over and watch it. Uh, I'm looking forward to, like, getting some Beerus, getting some Whis. I enjoyed them when I saw them, like, bits and pieces, just because they are a stunningly supernatural power who's incredibly petty, and I think that's where Toriyama's sweet spot is. So if he manages to nail that, I'm going to be happy. I, I'm i curious to see where these characters go afterward and how much it makes up for Goku's character assassination in those last episodes, how much it undoes Vegeta's character growth in the last few episodes. But if it's a more, like, I'm not going to say a more mature Toriyama, but a more skilled Toriyama who's taken years for his craft to mature, I'm going to be curious to see how that still is better and where it still has weak spots. Yeah, and for a lot of the Super Era stuff, he was writing it with a team, whereas the manga mm-hmm. he was writing on his own. Yeah. Particularly a uh, a manga artist uh, who just goes by uh, Toyotaro. Um, he's kind of Toriyama's apprentice. Uh, I don't know how much he actually had to do with the movies, but in general, this is a Toriyama who is more willing to um let other people help him with what yeah. he's doing. So I'll be looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the stuff we've already done. Let's talk about uh what we've done outside of the show this last season that's still related to the show. How's how's the Gohan and Rory fund doing? The Gohan and Rory fund is doing really fucking great. Yeah, uh, at the time of this recording, the Gohan and Rory fund is up to $1,370. In between recording and editing, it actually rose to $1,558. And that's just you guys' donations. Uh, counting matches from GBZ and other sources, our total impact is $3,581. And that number is now actually 3957 Yeah, which is super dope. Um, and that's to a whole host of charities, Room to Read... Bunch of COVID relief charities, Hispanic Federation, Doctors Without Borders, Black Lives Matter stuff. Uh, and, you know, we got a ton of we got a ton of engagement with the Gohan and Rory Fund this season. And so we were able to do a bunch of bonus episodes, too, while we were at it. So that's really cool. Um, we did like Bridesmaids, Fusion Reborn, Ready or Not, Path to Power, The Rory Boyfriend Showdown, Wrath of the Dragon, Bad Santa, and by the time this comes out, we may or may not have already done Lord Slug, Prodigal Son, Broly Second Coming, and Dirty Dancing. Those are either already in your feed or will be soon, depending on how often we're able to get those out before this episode comes out. Um, the Gohan and Rory Fund has done really, really well. Way better than we ever expected. I never thought we would crack $1,000. And yeah. we're past that now. We're at... I never thought we'd crack 500 I never thought we'd crack 100 Yeah, I was amazed. I was amazed. We were both amazed by the degree with Thanks which our fans feel. were willing... <laughs> 
but the degree with which our fans were willing to open up their wallets and give to a good cause and also put us through pain. Um, Especially now when things I know are a lot tight for a lot of people. Yeah, and nonetheless, even even considering the fact that, yeah, things were tight for a lot of people, a lot of you still were able to dig deep and give to, to those in need. Um, and, man, we're going to have a lot of these things by the time we're done. We funded enough of them that our, we're going to hit 200 episodes total. Mm-hmm. Our final episode is going to be our 200th, and that's really cool. And I want to talk about one other thing that's slightly less financial, but is still something that I'm really impressed by. Uh, we, like, we are in community with a lot of other podcasters, and sometimes I do hear them say, like, hey, I'm worried about speaking out about this issue. Like, obviously, we try not to be too partisan on the mics just because it's exhausting sometimes. But there have been a few times where we've talked about issues that are considered political, uh, just human rights stuff. And none of you have been dicks. Yeah, I'm amazed. Like, whether we're talking about Black Lives Mattering, whether we're talking about women being people, like, the, I am, I imagined we would have more people being dicks than we did, uh, and maybe some people tuned out, we don't watch that closely, but the people who have stayed have all been really great, and I appreciate all of you. Yeah, it's, yeah. That that was something that I, I was a little worried when we would we like put out like our Black Lives Matter statement and everything. Still would have we been gonna... worth it, even if everyone had been horrible and like decided oh, yeah, they didn't want to listen to us anymore. Still worth oh, it. Oh yeah, absolutely. If people had been like, We're not gonna I'm not gonna listen to your podcast anymore, then it would have been like, Okay, bye. Sucks to be uh, you and this is a hobby podcast. We make no money off of this. Yeah, like the answer would have been bye, whatever. Uh but I was worried of, like, okay, are we going to have to, like, deal with people, right? Like, are we going to have to deal with people being assholes about this? And Will legitimately, we have to come for our fellow white people? Yeah, and, like, legitimately not a peep. Um, legitimately not a single thing. And, like, that extends even to the guest hosts that we've had on. Like, we've had people of color. We've had uh, LGBT people. We've had a lot of diverse guest hosts on. And we've never gotten any issue from anybody. Um, thank you for not being dicks please call out your fellow fans when you see them being dicks because there are Dragon Ball fans especially like actually no there are Gilmore Girls fans who are dicks when people come after Amy Sherman Palladino there are Dragon Ball fans who are dicks anytime someone suggests something might be wrong with Dragon Ball and uh, it really is helpful and encouraging when someone says hey man that's not cool you don't have to be a jerk back but even saying hey man it's not cool I appreciate it but you've been great to us, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, that, that, that is a good call-out. Thank you for calling that out. That is also really, really worth mentioning. Yeah, because even though we haven't experienced it on the mics, we know that some people who we've guest-hosted with have experienced... Like, when they've spoken out about issues that are important to them, like, Nisha just recently spoke out about anti-blackness in anime, and there were people in the comments going like, well, I am white, and I don't believe this exists. And it's like, shut up, no one cares. Uh... <laughs> A, uh, B, shut up, no one cares. C, uh, what? <laughs> so... Characters aren't literally Mr. Popo anymore, therefore racism is solved. Oh, bro. <laughs> Oh, but, but yes. Thank so, you for being a great audience. Please continue to go out elsewhere and be a great audience. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for giving. Thank you for not being assholes. Thank you for everybody who's engaged with us. I, 
Yeah, we have a great fan base. We have a, a great fan base, and I'm very thankful I prefer for to it. call them an audience. I don't want to make assumptions for them. But yeah, I agree. They are fantastic. Yes. Uh, speaking of great fans, uh, we have 36 ratings this season on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, guys. Uh, no new reviews to read, but we still appreciate those. Those are great. But also, we've uh, done a couple of Twitch streams. Grant's been doing Asuna for Corona, which is a Final Fantasy V charity run for COVID, and that's gotten a great response. Uh, just some people donating, but also some people hanging out, and we really appreciate that. Uh, also, the uh, the Gilmore Girls Fire Emblem hack by Marlo Dobb that we streamed on Twitch earlier this season, but still uh, on Twitch and on YouTube, that was a lot of fun. I just like getting to flex my Fire Emblem muscles uh, so thank you guys for showing up for that. That was really fun and a great way to hang out uh, during a, a continuing weird time. But what about what about emails? We got a couple a couple good emails uh, uh, this season. We got one from uh, from Morgan James. Uh, just said I want to say I came across this podcast when I saw your inquiry on the This Is Us subreddit. Uh, so when we were we were doing research for the Rory Boyfriend Showdown. Uh, Morgan says, I started from the beginning, and I'm upset I didn't know about this podcast sooner because it is 100% my new favorite. I never thought about the similarities in these shows, but it totally makes sense. I'm going to catch up completely, and I hope you keep making episodes. Thank you for this light in the dark. Sincerely, a new loyal listener, Morgan. Um, yeah, we we like getting those kinds of, like, if you want to just send us an email and say, hey, I like your show, uh, that's fine. It doesn't need to be, like, you know... It doesn't need to be a whole hell of a lot to it. It can just be a thing, you know? It makes us feel special. It does. We like hearing from it. We we, we like hearing from you all. Uh, we also got a, a an email from one Alex Douglas. Hello, Paige and Grant. My name's Douglas, and I'm a little late to the party. My best friend, James Garrett, who you may have heard of, he guessed it on the show a while back, Referred me to this show a while back, and I'm just about to start season seven, so I'm really close to catching up. I love the show, and I'm glad I got to catch up before it ended, because you inspired me to make a little something. And he sent us an attachment. I I think I, th- I think we can attach it here, and then we can use it. Uh, we can use it more later. So he sent us this. And so you can imagine what? my excitement when I heard this. It was so good. And Paige's excitement when I then shouted to her to come upstairs right now and listen to this. And then when we sent it to everyone we knew. Yeah. 
Uh, Whether my- they were interested in the podcast, Gilmore Girls, or Dragon Ball. Yeah, and so I, my response was, where were you three years ago when we needed opening music for our podcast? Uh, but, you know, it, it's never too late. So we are going to be using Douglas's uh, Gilmore Soul is the name of the track. We are going to be using Douglas's Gilmore Soul as our opening for this final season to just really give it give it the 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 extra little little touch that it needs to be our final limited run final season. Because as the kids probably no longer say, it slaps. It does slap. We also had, uh, <laughs> we got one from a listener named Brian. Uh, Dearest Grant and Paige, I've been a listener for many years. We, in fact, used to engage frequently on social media when I had social media. After getting caught up on episodes in the backlog, all I have to say is, how dare you? How fucking dare you? You have kept me steadily entertained for years, years now, to a point that, frankly, I feel like we're friends. I talked to my fiancé and wanted to invite you to my wedding, and now there are no plans to continue. This is a travesty. How dare you? How could you ingratiate yourselves into my life that I look forward to binging to binging your podcast and then just hurt me like this? I feel like a piece of me is gone with the kindest regards or something. Brian. Aww. Uh, and yeah, Brian is echoing a sentiment that we've heard a lot. Not the how fucking dare you part, but the what no, are you going to do when this is like. over part. Um... The answer is still nothing to announce at this time. Uh, the answer is still that when this is over, we've been putting out episodes almost weekly for three years. When this is over, we're going to lay down and go to sleep for a long time. Yep. If if there is more after that, maybe. Maybe we'll find a new thing to do. Probably not involving these shows, but who knows anything can happen. Uh, more likely, we'd find a new thing to do that is unrelated, but it's just more of us doing podcast stuff. It won't be another show versus show format, which we've said before, but it won't be another show versus show format because there's just no other two shows that really are the same lightning in a bottle that works for us for this format. Yeah. And, you know, so, so that just, yeah, it won't, you know, the answer might be nothing. The answer might be, okay, thank you. This was fun. It's all on the internet. And we just go back to being normal people. Like, are are we not normal people right now? We're podcasters. So yeah, nothing formal to announce at this time. And that's not being coy. That's legitimately, we have nothing to announce at this time. That being said, if any of you have weddings you want to invite us to when it's not a pandemic, we'd probably go. Yeah, no kidding. Like, like we had we had a follow up conversation with Brian over email where he told us the date and location of his wedding, and unfortunately, it was something where we wouldn't have been able to make it because of distance and timing and COVID. But uh, if you want to invite us to any weddings, we like free food. Um, and yes, love. Th- and love. Uh, but yes, actually, I, I, so I, we, we would like to publicly apologize to Brian for the emotional, uh, uh, damages that he's going to endure, but, uh, the answer remains unchanged, is nothing to announce this time. Yep. Um, oh, Michael Gale, uh, uh, frequent, frequent friend of the show, it was a little behind, 
but wanted to weigh in on our perennial question, oh, fellas, no. is it gay to have a place to put your socks? Oh, no. And his answer was, I'm glad you asked, Grant. As someone who has a sock drawer, I feel as if it is not. A neat sock drawer is the pinnacle of organization. It is an archaic thought to think organization and cleanliness is inherently gay. Thus concludes my TED Talk. That is an excellent point, and we can put a point in the not gay to have a place to put your socks column. For some reason, we're still accepting opinions on this. Thank you. Like, seriously, thank you, Michael Gale. Less seriously... What, Grant? <laughs> when will we have a decision on whether or not sock drawers are gay? Uh, I need to I am, know, because you've got a sock drawer. <laughs> I am still I am still taking... We are still taking submissions. So if you haven't weighed in yet, fellas, is it gay to have a place to put your socks? More seriously. No, it's not. And it still isn't. <laughs> uh, I believe that's all of our fan mail for this season. If you want to be featured in our 200th episode... Send us whatever. Send us your stuff to gilmoreballsy at gmail.com. We want to do a great big listener mailbag for our 200th episode. Hey, everyone. So a quick note on what to expect in the next coming weeks. Um, So for our last season here, we were doing the super era DBZ movies paired up with Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life. And that's a lot of content. It's a lot to watch, which then makes it a lot to record, which then makes it a lot to edit. And that all kind of compounds and expands to these episodes taking way longer to make than our usual episodes. So there is going to be a bit of a delay between this episode you're listening to now and our first episode of season eight, where we're going to watch the first episode of A Year in the Life and the Yo Son Goku and His Friends Return special. But you will not be without Gilmore Ball Z content. On the intervening Saturdays between then and now, we are going to be burning through the rest of our backlog of bonus episodes. So next week, you can expect Lord Slug. The week after that, Prodigal Son with a special guest host. The week after that, our Broly double feature, where we're going to watch Second Coming and Bio Broly. And then the week after that, Dirty Dancing. That should be enough of a buffer that we'll then be able to start releasing our Year in the Life episodes and just kind of go through that way. So it's almost like there's a weird little interseason between seasons uh but we'll see we're still editing those at the time that i'm recording this so we'll see how that all shakes out anyway just a heads up that's what the next couple weeks are going to be like but we promise our last season is being actively worked on and it is in the pipe so if you want to contribute to that final mailbag uh we'd love to hear from you basically anywhere our Facebook is Gilmore Ball Z. Our Twitter is at Gilmore Ball Z. Our email is Gilmore Ball Z at gmail.com. And our website is Gilmore-Ball-Z.Pinecast.co. We'd even give you our home address, but that seems unsafe in the age of the internet. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Facebook, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next season. So... What convoluted reason will there be for Luke and Lorelai to not be married yet? Will Goku win back Paige's goodwill? And what are Toriyama's last four words? That's a Gilmore Girls in-joke. Find out on the final season of Gilmore Ball Z!